0: by resentment, friction, and mistrust comes together. We can all learn a lot from the Titans. Great. They combined the white school and the black school into one called T.C. Williams High School. right here. Thanks for teaching me the VRF. Oh, Follow the ball and you're in the game. Lose track of the ball and you're out of the game. Occasionally you'll see in sporting events where someone loses track of the ball and it causes all kinds of problems. They're not in the right position. They're not there it's just it's just the 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 team has all kinds of problems when one person when the whole team loses sight of that. well, before we dig into where we left off last week, I've got a couple items for you uh first of all, I'm expecting next August, not I'm expecting it, but in in August, I'm expecting to have a man cave in my house because these two are getting married, Mariah, yes, all right, so you can be. Happy about that. That's fantastic. So I'll have some ideas for that room now that we'll be... And Rhino won't say it. She's around, so i got to be careful. But uh, also, um, Kevin, thank you very much. But uh, this just uh, kind of shares my heart. Do I think the Bills will make it to the Super Bowl? Of course. They have plenty of time to buy their tickets. Anyway, <laughs> so where are you? It only begins. Now I know what regular football teams feel like with the way the Patriots are performing. But the end of the other idea is that you know again where your focus is, where the ball is, that where the game is. Uh, last week we talked about wherever the car uh, go, your car goes, wherever your eyes go. A lot of us have experienced that. Uh, we're looking along, and all of a sudden the car starts to drift because we start to look at something, and that reminded me of this situation. Mike, Steve, nice to meet you, Mike. I saw you sort of gravitated towards the Camaro. You thinking about getting one? Oh no, no, no. This, this. Way too much car for me, I'm... Well, it's a lot of power, but they designed it to be very safe. I don't know if I can handle it. I, I've never driven anything like this before. Well, I... I tell you what, I think a way to really make you feel comfortable would be to put you behind the wheel. You're good. <laughs> oh, yeah. What a car. hmm Well, we better buckle up. Yeah, good call. You are liable for any damages to the vehicle, so please stop the car, and sl- or at least slow down. Slow down. Slow down. You can't go through that gate, Mike. Stop. Stop. Watch it. Watch out. He's keeping his wrong eyes on the road. You're going to wreck this car. Though. You're liable for it if you wreck it. this is a camera here's a camera there's cameras look it was all just fun look i'm jeff gordon (laughs) there you go eye on the ball eye on the road very significant and every time once in a while you lose track i mean have you ever been on a sports team where you've lost track of the ball come on i I see a couple kind of nodding just give me a hand if you all right thank you thank you for honesty uh, believe it or not, I played lacrosse in high school and junior high, and uh, there was a couple times we lost. As a team, we lost track of the ball. Uh, one time, there was a situation like this. It wasn't planned, but it happened. Indoor lacrosse, and they're passing around, and it gets bobbled a little bit. He picks it up. He gives it to his buddy. His buddy winds up, shoots. Uh-oh, no ball. That was on purpose, but I can remember one time in a lacrosse game, the guy's cradling it down, and he's coming through, and I was on defense, and he's doing all these moves, and we're getting ready for it, and he shoots it. No ball. He didn't know we didn't have the ball, and then we looked down the other side of the field, and the game is down, going on down there. We had this whole thing going on. And uh, then another time, uh, again, keeping your eye on the ball, this kind of thing happened to us Not playing wedged. lacrosse. In between his face mask, no injuries, thank God. He's all smiles. But if you thought that was a one in a million chance, how about a two in a million chance? Also this week, the same thing happened to Hugh Conrad. Believe it or not, that happened to us, except one time the ball, instead of being where he could see it, was in the corner. So he couldn't see the ball, no one could see the ball, everyone was like digging in the dirt looking for the ball, and then finally, after what seemed like five minutes, it was probably, I don't know, a couple of minutes, they realized it was in the guy's helmet, and then, you know, we had to figure out how to do that. So keeping your eye on the ball is crucial, keeping your eyes on the road is crucial, and it's the same way for our life. And it's the same way for our spiritual life. And I hate saying our life and our spiritual life because the two should be integrated. When I say life, if you're a Christ follower, you should pick up spiritual life, all of my life. If you're a Christ follower and I say spiritual life, you should pick up all of your life. You should say there's no separation Because our spiritual life is our physical life and vice versa. We are aware of it all. We're integrated. And so how we do anything expresses our spiritual life. And our physical life is expressed in our spiritual life. You know, you're exhausted physically. It's hard to crack your Bible in the morning and spend quality time. You might even still crack it, but you're kind of like, "Uh," you know, and you're just checking it off the list. The two, the two aren't separated. So where your eyes are, where you're looking, is where your life goes. It's where the action is. And, uh, you know, we need to make sure, we saw this verse last week, and I don't think I read it, let make a, let's make a clean break with everything that defiles us or distracts us, both within and without. It starts really on the inside. You have to, start, you have to start, start start off by asking, what are my dreams? What are my goals? Where does my mind go? Where does my heart go? Because for most of us, eventually those things show up on the outside. So, so what are the distractions? Well, first got to determine what the ball is, and we'll remind ourselves of that in a few moments. But, but, but what, what's, what, what distracts me? What gets in the way? Where am I looking? I've shared with this every once in a while, but I remember there was a time where, uh, you know, I'd be taking a nap, and I'd, I'd want to kind of like drift off into dream dreamland. and before I would go to sleep, I'd kind of try to clear my mind of all the, the, the hassle stuff, and I'd think of, what would it be like if I had a couple million dollars? Oh, and I'd just go to sleep, and you know, if that was today, I'd pave every ounce of the 10 acres this church owns, but that's another story, pavement everywhere. But, but what would I do? What would I do? And, and then one day it dawned on me, the place I was kind of finding emotional peace, it sounds so weird, was in a place that I shouldn't be going. The answer to my life wasn't if I had more money. My answer for life is if I engaged in my relationship with Christ more. The only problem for me with that was then it caused me to think more and I wouldn't be able to take a nap or go to sleep because I'd have all these ideas, all these thoughts. What distracts you? Your dreams, your goals, are they aligned? Even sometimes we have dreams and goals that might even be good, but they're not really aligned where we know Christ would have us to go. And we're kind of like we'll never get there, so it's okay to kind of have those dreams. But for a lot of us, we will get there. It's amazing what you think about, what you want. Eventually, your life starts to drift in that direction. So you, you have to ask yourself, what are those those distractions? Um, those of you in community groups, those of you on your own, kind of like studying uh, through the week. If hope you look over the think it over section and, and um, kind of re digest. Uh, I like to say this every once in a while that uh, you know a message that really speaks to your heart. If you don't revisit it, it drifts off. Uh, how many times do you have a dream, like a dream at night, and you wake up in the morning and you kind of remember it? And it was kind of a cool dream, and by noon, you can't even remember what it was. All you remember that was a cool dream. Sometimes when God speaks to us, if we don't redigest it, if we don't meditate on it, it drifts, that's why I like to take notes. Uh, you know, everyone learns differently, but uh, to tre- redigest it. So this idea of, uh, you know, rethinking this through. So um, I'm just going to give you the, the bird's eye view of what's going on in this passage. It's just real quick, and, uh, you know, I want you, to, want you to think about it throughout the week. But there's a situation where Abram, who becomes Abraham, the father of the Israel nation, Abram and his uh, nephew Lot... Uh, have gotten to the point where they have more than enough. They have too much, and the land cannot sustain them. There's just not enough food for grazing, and their servants are getting in each other's faces about this. And and so there gets to be this time where Abraham says, we need to, Abram at the time, come and say Abram, says, you know, we need to divide ways, you need to go some ways. And, And Abraham, really out of character for the culture, says, Lot, you pick first. Usually it should have been Abraham gets the prime place. Uh, but it should just been understood, but Abram, for whatever reason, says, Lot, you choose. And Lot chooses what looks like the best land, but it's down in the city area. And these cities, Sodom and Gomorrah, are off the rails. Real hard place to live and stay focused and keep your eye on the ball. But Lot's eye is on sustaining his flocks, doubling his flocks, whatever. And as the story goes on, he picks that land. Abram goes to the hills, and and that really ends up being the right place. This will be the future Israel, still Israel of today, that you see all this going on about. And uh, Lot, though, it's very interesting. And the King James brings this out. When Lot sets up his tent, it says this. Abram dwelled in the land of Canaan. And Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain, and he pitched his tent towards Sodom. His eyes, when he was driving his car, was on Sodom. And so his life moves that way. Later on, we find him living in the city. And there's trouble coming. I could stop right now, and people would be like, yeah, greatest sermon ever, where is your tent pitched? Where is it facing? What direction you're looking at? It comes from every choice you make it reflects where your tent is facing. You may recall this idea. Very infrequent. Does it happen? couple of you have experienced this i won't embarrass you because this is very positive a couple of you actually chose where to buy your house because you checked out the churches in the area first and you wanted your tent pitched towards a church you could engage in for the long term and that's where you bought your house Yes, the price had to be right, all those things. But even if the price was right, the size was fantastic, you, didn't, you wanted a place that was pitched towards a community of faith that you could engage in. Doesn't happen that often. Um, I've had folks over the years uh, love the church I was a part of, and they then find this super huge house 45 minutes away. And, you know, first time around, I didn't have the guts to say anything. Second time around, I said, you know, I usually don't find people, they say this, and, and do what you want to do. I'm just, let's be honest. You want an honest answer. You buy a house there, you won't be coming to our church, I bet you, in a year. It's just a hassle, 45-minute drive. Some of you can do that, but, but, it, but it's a, you got kids, you're not, that's, that, that's not going to happen. Oh, no, 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 that way. And, and, it, and, it you know, 75% of the time. That's, that's the end of it. Where is your tent pitched? Where is it pitched? Um, I'll pick on the birthday boy, Paul over here, 82 today, rocking it. He and Sue pitched their tent towards a church that they thought they could be engaged in. And how many years have you been going to ter- church here? He said 106? No, 26. <laughs> Excellent. And those haven't all been sweet days. But he pitched his tent in that direction. Where is your tent pitched? Where are you looking? So last week we talked about the side here. Again, keep your eye on the ball. You need to identify the ball. And we said that the ball for a Christ follower is Jesus Christ. So if you're not a Christ follower, I don't expect your eye to be on Jesus Christ. If you are a Christ follower, I do expect your eye to be on Jesus Christ. You follow Christ, right? I'm a Christ follower. Then your eye is on him. And that doesn't mean then, oh, life is going to be a bore. Life is going to be a drag. Oh, you know, i got to carry my cross. And yes, you do. But, oh, it's, you know, yeah, it's hard, but it is well worth it. Talk to Paul and Sue. They pitched their tent. Their eye was on the ball. And here's 26 years later, and they seem to be pretty happy. I hope my marriage is like theirs when I'm in my 80s. Identify the ball. So my dear Christian friends, companions in following this call to the heights, take a good hard look at Jesus. He is the centerpiece of our lives. Is he? Is he the ball for you? We talked about describing the field and we use these two uh, kind of churchy labels. It's called the Great Commandment and the Great Commission. The Great Commandment is love the Lord your God with every passion of your heart, all the energy of your being, and with every thought that is with you. This is the greatest and supreme commandment. That's heavy lifting. That's not taking your eye off the ball. I looked at all these uh, statistics uh, how many feet you travel in like three seconds if you're going like 65 miles an hour. There was, you know, math formulas like football fields and all this kind of stuff. How quickly you can be in another place when you take your eyes off the road. That's why no texting, no and no, all that stuff, no distraction, driving, is, you know, all those kinds of things. It's because you are flying and your eye is off the ball and your car can end up in places you don't want your car your life, too, and it happens quicker than you know. Um, I had the privilege of, uh, I was at Liberty University for a couple years until they kicked me out. No, I I left. I wasn't (laughs) into the South as much as uh, some of my friends were and ended up going to a small, small Bible college in in Portland, Maine, South Portland, Maine, and and I went there because I also thought it was going to be easier and it wasn't, you know, it was uh, smaller, so they knew my name. At the other school, they really didn't know who I was. Uh, they, they graded by your ability rather than, it was, just, it, was, it was a disaster academically. They really held my feet to the fire. And uh, so anyway, so but what was interesting there is most of the students were second career students. They'd gone and done something else, and now they felt called to ministry. And so they were there. And like in my class, it was very small, I graduated third of my class. No, no, fourth of my class, I'm sorry, um, because there was four students in my class. <laughs> and the one nearest to my age was like 17 years older than me. And then I got like a retired superintendent. All, But a good portion of those second career guys would say, God has been calling my life. All of my life. And finally, I'm in my 50s and 60s, and I'm doing what he called me to do. And they had had successful careers. One was an engineer, all these things. They didn't have their eye on the ball. They had good lives. They involved in churches. And and again, the ultimate isn't going to be a pastor or be a missionary. It's being who God's called you to do. And they had rejected their call for decades. And now they were finally answering their call because their eye was on the ball. And many of those guys went off to have uh, impactful, difference-making ministries for another 15, 20, 25 years. Some have been to their 70s and 80s. So describing the field, great commandment, loving God with all your heart, and then loving others as you love yourself. And trying to pick those that drive you nuts and say, do I have any love in my heart for them? That's where the real hard work is. Easy to love those who are lovable, and so all of the New Testament, all of the Old Testament, hangs on these two concepts: love God, love others. And then all of this, all these things—you could probably go through almost every passage and say, "Is this telling me to love God? Is this telling me to love others? And how?" And that's it. It's no more rocket science than that. Love God, love others. We heard the prayer, thank you, that Jesus gave his life for us so we could have this relationship with God. We could walk with God. We could have our eye on the ball in the car. Our lives will go that direction, and you won't be sorry for it. So you got the Great Commission. Then you got the Great Commandment. So go and make followers of all people in the world. We talked about go as you go. You don't have to go somewhere. It's as you go, as you go through life. This isn't to be complicated. Baptizing them, having them identify themselves with Christ. They're going to follow them next week. We've got two guys getting baptized, and I am extremely excited about them. And you baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit. The idea that our God is one God and three persons, the Trinity. Uh, We don't have time to get into that right now. But this idea of as you go, touching lives, influencing lives, making disciples, making followers of Christ. And it's amazing. If you can be in an environment, your life can rub off on other people's lives. Some of it's formal. A lot of it's informal. Jesus and his disciples traveled. A lot of it was informal. It's funny. uh, We had rivers for a couple days this weekend and uh, just, just, just training, you know, you know, he's like 14, 16 months, and, uh, you, know, um, you know, turn the page, and he, like, he doesn't really do it well, I just say, turn the page, he does it. Uh, when we go out of a door, shut the door, and he kind of like does something, he's not really shutting the door, and, and all these kinds of things, and you're just, you're just training him how to do stuff. And, he, and he, just, he just does it. The funnest thing to do is to take socks off and go pew, 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 pew. and he'll go pew, 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 and do that on face uh, time, you know, pew, 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 and, uh, you know, and all this kind of stuff. Of course, he sticks his feet in his mouth, which I can't do, but, uh, or I might, but then I wouldn't be able to do anything else. And this idea of, and teach them to faithfully follow, the teeth in those two words, faithfully follow, are you and I faithfully following. You can't Teach somebody to go to a place where you're not going. doesn't mean you have your act together. Totally, you're traveling in that direction. Faithfully follow all that I've commanded you, and I will be with you as you do this day after day after day right up to the end of age. Again, we talked last week, you want God's presence in your life? Keep your eye on the ball, and God is present in your life. So running for a touchdown, I'm not going to walk through all this. We talked about the mission. You ought to really look at that. It's in your program. You can fill in the blanks. That, that's that's what, why we exist as a church. If there's things in there you don't say, oh, I don't agree with that, then, then you're going to be frustrated at this church because we do want to make difference in people's lives wherever they're at. Wherever they're coming from, with all their heartaches, with all their brokenness, and even your brokenness that you've learned to cover up and be much more sophisticated about. All of our brokenness. Make a difference wherever they are. And lead them into that relationship with God through Christ. That's why we exist. And we try to do this in a way that's not more difficult than it needs to be. We try not to add human rules and rituals to what we do as a church family. Try to keep it stripped down to bare metal so that we're doing really what God has us to do. And we, if, if you're a new person thinking about following Christ, we want you to be able to understand the Sunday morning messages. We want you to be able to, to get things and understand. So we really try to, to explain words if it's a religious word. And I'd encourage you, if we say something that you don't get, send an email. Let me know. Let us know. And we'll try to unpack that for you uh, because we want to make it uh, uh, easier to follow Christ. Because it's hard to follow Christ, so we shouldn't make it any harder than it has to really be. And so, you know, this whole idea of find and follow, uh, you know, seeking seekers, that is part of our DNA, people that uh, want to find Christ or are open to it. We we offer things, talking about like the trunk or treat, and you know, we're going to do this Christmas tree lighting thing. We'll do a Christmas Eve service thing. We do an Easter egg hunt. Uh, we do the game dinner every once in a while, but then we also want it to be available here, just not on those special events. We want that to be a conduit, and so find, seek those folks. When it comes to our mission statement again, and uh, Again, it should be in your program, that multi-generational. We don't want to take to one generation over the other. We want to have the richness of having seniors interact with other folks, young people interact with seniors, and the joy and all that goes along with that. And we want to be able to impact uh, our community and, and be a breath of fresh air. There's a passage that talks about being a shining star. We want to be pointing to Christ By lifting up the name of Jesus, uh, lifting up Jesus, by uh, pointing to him with our lives, teaching God's word, and making disciples, making followers who love and live like Jesus. So, real quickly, taking your eye off the ball. We read, there are many out there taking other paths, choosing other goals, and trying to get you to go along with them. I've warned you of many, many times. Sadly, I have to do it again. All they want is easy street. They hate to carry or hate Christ's cross. They don't they don't like that. And again, I said earlier, we don't need to make it difficult. Christ's cross in our lives, following him, yes, there is some heaviness to that. There's some there's some challenge. If you're thinking about becoming a Christ follower, it's not the easy road. It's not the easy street. But as Christians, we don't have to make it harder. We don't have to add layers to it. And so when we uh, take our eyes, we, this is really Christians, Christ Falls can take our eyes off Christ and we can drift. Um, when I was, uh, when we lived, uh, when I grew up, we lived in a little town, Ipswich in uh, Massachusetts. so on the coast. And there was this Crane's Beach, very nice sand, and uh, moms used to love this beach because it was a sandbar, so the waves were not existent. So us kids, when we became teenagers, thought it was the baby beach, so we didn't like to go there. But anyway, you know, we'd go there, and but there was a little bit of a current, and you'd get out in the water, even up to, you know, knee, waist, and if you didn't pay attention, you'd start working your way down the beach. And all of a sudden, you'd realize, where am I? You're playing, you're splashing, and mom and dad's little campsite with all their blankets are way up there. It just would happen. It's just, it's just the way it was. That's the way it is in the world we live. If we're not careful, we just drift along with it. And again, we don't need to be difficult. We don't need to be unkind. But we just need to understand the drift is easy. It's easy to take our eye off the ball. It's easy for us to be driving down the road, and we see something that's really cool to us, catches our attention, we start looking at it, and we're on the rumble strip. That's really great. we got those rumble strips, right? You know, count how many times you hit that when you're driving to your house. You're looking at stuff, I would imagine. But again, this idea of taking our eyes. But it's easy street. It's dead-end street. Those who live there make their bellies, their gods, belches. Ooh, that's Are there praises? All they can think about is their appetites. That's a hard question. What is your appetite? What are you hungry for? What is the investment of your life? What are you filling your life with, filling your mouth with, if you will? You know, is it on the ball? It's on other things. And this doesn't take all the joy out of life. You can focus, you can be keep your eyes on the road, you can keep your eye on the ball and have a great, exciting, adventurous, fun life with others. It doesn't steal all the joy. But when we don't do that, especially as Christ falls, we're running in the wrong direction, which reminds me of this guy. Anything worse than watching Jim Marshall run the wrong way in an NFL game? There's nothing worse than that. Nothing. There's no play ever. You can't even find a play more humiliating than that play. Stops, throws, completes it to Kilmer up at the 30-yard line. Kilmer driving for the first down, loses the football. Seeing the ball loose, seeing the goalpost kind of triggered, you know, pick it up and run. It's picked up by Jim Marshall, who's running the road. did he feel when he got in the end zone and turned around waiting for his teammates to mob him, and they're like, idiot, what have you done? Jim, you ran the wrong way. One of the 49ers players came up and and said, thanks, Jim. Uh, You knew right away, you really messed up this time. It took a lot of guts for me to go back on that field because, you know, I took football very seriously, and I had um, made, um, you know, the... Biggest mistake uh, you could probably make. Marshall's wrong-way run was a bad play, but didn't affect the final outcome. Big Jim redeemed himself, forcing a fumble that sealed the Vikings' victory. Funny. What happens when that's our lives, and we run the wrong way? The only person who really knows which direction you're running is you, with a dynamic, alive relationship with Christ. What way are you running? And uh, you know, I, I like the fact, in some ways, and it, this isn't always true, but I think it's true for a lot of us. For Jim Marshall, it didn't affect the outcome of the game. So you look what God's doing on our in our world, in our communities doesn't all rise and fall on you, so you can run the wrong way, score for the other team in a sense, and God's plan just keeps moving, moving along, moves along without you. He he doesn't need you. He doesn't need me. He welcomes us to the game. He welcomes us to the drive, but most of us aren't at the place where our life is going to ripple effect into overall history. You know, We're not a Moses, we're not a Paul. But he gives us a seat at the table. And that's a wonderful thing, he gives us a seat at the table. And like I said, those Bible college students, most of them were second career Bible college students when I was there. And, and some of them, it was through life, and it, then God had their direction that they should do something different but there was a, definitely a handful of guys that said god has been bugging me about this since college and they had already had their career and they were in their 60s and now they finally said surrender running the wrong way what's interesting is uh jim got back in the game a little uncomfortable for jim can you imagine all of us feel a little foolish if we're running in a certain direction and we go, wait a minute, I've been running in the wrong direction. I'm don't, I, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a guy, I think that it's better to start to change your direction rather than make a big... pro I've been running in the wrong direction, now I'm running this way. And everyone goes, let's see if he really runs that way. Why don't you wait to see how you actually run? Start to make... And then they'll know. People will know you're running in the right direction or a different direction because they can't get into your heart. What's amazing is all of us can be running all kinds of ways in a certain kind of parameters, and we're running in the right direction for us. That kawaii comes back to knowing your Savior so well by growing in your relationship with him so you can understand where he's leading you, what he's leading you to. So there's this idea of interceptions. Encourage you in your small groups, in your community groups, encourage you on your own to read through uh, verses 17 to twenty-two, eleven, and you're going to see interceptions, or we could call them fumbles, or running in the wrong direction, not playing the game properly. And we see these interceptions come up. I'm not going to read through the passages. You can do that on your own. But you'll see that this attitude of having your eyes on the wrong thing, on the wrong ball, not on the road, creates a For no better word, a nastiness in us. A little like, don't go there. A little, you know, rub, because we kind of know. If we're a Christ follower, we kind of know. If we're a person that has not said yes to Christ, we kind of know. Some of us know, and we're just holding out. We're we're, we're not ready to surrender. We're not ready to say, all right, my eye is on the ball. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to go in the right direction. And when our eye isn't on the right ball, as Christians, again, we can become really nasty. Uh, this, this little, I can't remember if I said this last week, but uh, this thing, I read this somewhere, you know, we turn into, uh, I hate to even say it, but we turn into jerks for Jesus. And we're just nasty. And uh, we hurt the name of Christ. And... Uh, You know, we don't want to be that. But when our eye is off the ball, it's real easy for that kind of that wave of that that aroma to be out there. It's easy to become competitive and territorial with our ministry, with what we're doing. We're just kind of, it's about us. And it's really not about serving others, serving Christ, loving God. It's about loving our agenda. And it's amazing in in church world how close a a good-looking thing is. A God-honoring thing can turn into competitiveness and can turn into territorialness, if that's a word. I remember one time, yeah, many, many years ago, uh, you know, we would do coffee time like we do here. And, uh, you know, and, but these people started bringing in all kinds of snacks. And there were these two people, and they started to make it into a competition. Who could, like, have the best snacks I mean, it got obnoxious, and, and and these people really couldn't afford what they were doing. I mean, they would, they, it would just be like it'd be like you were like I don't know where you would be. It'd be like you were like at a fancy restaurant. All these you know up you know donuts. Now it's these parfaits. I, I don't know. It was just it was just it was just crazy. We had to tell them to stop it. You know, but it was just territorial. So they they begin with serving. Let's add some goodies to the coffee time, and then it just got out of hand. It's amazing. Their their eye was on outdoing everybody else. It wasn't on serving. And, uh, you know, so that's just, you know, you you probably have experienced that. Um, It's easy to become judgmental. You see how other people aren't doing it or are doing it because your eye's off the ball. It's about Become self-righteous instead of trying to travel in the path of righteousness. Um, It's easy to become argumentative when your eye is off the ball because all these little things can start to really bug you that don't matter a hill of beans. They don't. And I'm too nervous to say what some of those could be because we all have them. And if I say them then, too, you'll say, well, I don't have that one, but you have the other one I forgot to say. So argumentative. Don't argue with me about that. It's easy to become apathetic. It's all about you. It's not about, it's just nastiness, your eyes off the ball. And you really don't care about people coming to Christ and growing in Christ. Again, it's funny for me to be able to say this now. I remember 32 years ago meeting with someone who uh, I was a, the youth pastor and me and, a, and a, I think it was an elder. we meeting with this guy who was like 150 years old, uh, had deep pockets, and um, he remembered the days where the church gave 95% of every dollar that came into missions. It never really did that, but that's what he, you know, just like that. And uh, the elders said, well, well, you know, through the youth ministry, uh, you know, kids are coming to Christ. And I kid you not, he pounded his kitchen table, and he said, people come to Christ all the time. And basically, he was saying, what big deal, (laughs) He was so focused on something. He was so apathetic. He was, he was concerned about people on the other corners of the world, but not people across the street. He needs to be both, not either or. If you're going to sustain a church, and this is really a bad reason for sustaining a church, church needs to be healthy and growing, or you're not going to have missionaries later on. You're not going to have difference makers later on. Both actions need to be happening. And it's so easy to become apathetic to all the other ministries. I remember one time, uh, I think I, it was, uh, yeah, I was at a church, and there was a, the children's ministry had just had an expensive year, and uh, I, I wasn't overseeing the youth uh, at that time, and, and the youth had had an had a inexpensive year, and we're in a budget meeting, and the uh, the, you know, the budget people are, like, all over the, the children's ministry, and it wasn't wasting money. It's just expensive year. And, and watching the youth person say, hey, why don't you take some of my budget that I'm not using? Everyone, can you do that? Can you? Yeah, you can do that. We can do that. Problem solved. They, the, the youth person wasn't thinking of just their thing. They were thinking of the overall thing. If you're in business, they sometimes call that silos. Everyone's in their own silo, and they don't care about what's going on in the other silo. Well, they all need to be together. So again, this, this apathetic idea. Um, completions. Again, I encourage you to read these passages I gave all that inferior stuff up so I could know Christ personally, have the eye on the ball, experience his resurrection power, be a partner in his suffering and go all the way with him to death itself, live the whole life, live the whole life, follow Christ the whole time, have a completion, score a touchdown, great, giving up all the stuff. my eye is on the ball. And, uh, you know, this idea of, you know, lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the earth, that great commission, this is kind of saying, hey, I gave up all the other stuff, put my eye on following Christ with the life you've given me, and I experience God's power in my life, and it's exciting. God shows up. I don't feel like God is not present in my life. When your eye is off the ball... I don't know if you, how often you feel God's presence in your life because you're not following him. You're kind of doing your own thing. And he's like, go do your own thing. See how that works for you. And it doesn't work. If there was any way to get in on the resurrection from the dead, he's not questioning his salvation. He just wants to be a part of it. I wanted to do it. I'm not saying that I have this all together, that I've made it, but I'm well on my way, reaching out for Christ, striving, energetic. Who has so wondrously reached out to me? So the idea of being all in. Are you all in? Are you all in? Only you can answer that. And it's when you're all in, it doesn't mean you're giving up something like the fun of life, the adventure of life. You are all in. You have that. Read the corresponding verses in your quiet time. Fixed attentiveness. Are you fixed on that? Is your eyeball on that thing? You're keeping it matched up. Can you remember when you first started driving? And I think this is proper. The, the little rise in, the, in your hood, remember that used should be like a little bump in the hood, like in the middle? And I can remember driver's that I think they always just say, if you keep that center on the yellow line, you'll stay in the middle of the road. Now, that may not be true, so don't go do it today and have car accidents, okay? Dave said this, but I, I think that was great. And as, if that was there, you were all set. And I can remember driving and being just so attentive to it. Now it's like zzz, 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 drink drink, 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 drink zzz, zzz. you know you know, I know it's it's the attentiveness is not there. remember when you first became a christ follower and you were just attentive, you wrote everything down, you listened, you were hungry, you ate it up, and yes, things change, but that passion needs to stay I'm going to say it's it mirrors what the if, It's reflecting the passion that needs to stay in your marriage life. You need to be excited to be married. You need to be excited about it. Fixed attentiveness. Use some of that drive that you use to wine and dine your spouse to get them to like you, to keep liking you. Yes, they love you, but want them to like you. So when you get home, they're like, oh, you're home. You know, I, you know. It's Like you know, I like to kind of when Cindy comes home, I'm almost like a puppy dog. You know, <laughs> you get home. How'd you take it? You know, you know, because I work out of my home office and I've been captive because of this thing, and I can't drive anywhere. Thanks for those who helped me out with that. But uh, fixed attentiveness, hunger, passion. Don't ask her how well I do with this because she's in kid zone today. So, shh. all right, <laughs> heavenly driven. Do you realize how soon you'll be with Jesus? It's sooner than you think. Some of you, it's very soon. But it's sooner than you think. And you never know. Our community was rocked, seriously rocked this week with someone who went way before his time. That happens often it's not to scare you just to get ready it's actually going to be when you cross over you're going to be happy the only regard you're going to have is did I do everything I was supposed to do had my eye been on the ball did I finish did I finish well did I run the race well did I do that that's the only regret. you're, you're not going to want to come back that's some reason I eat so much ice cream Cindy says you need to be healthy you need to be all right forever I'm like I don't want to be here forever. I'm off and running, and I'm not turning back. So heavenly-minded, they are no earthly good. Draw a line through that. If you're heavenly-minded, you better be earthly good. You cannot be heavenly-minded without being earthly good. If you're heavenly-minded, you're making a difference. You're loving and living like Jesus. That has earthly goodness dripping all over it. Spirit directed, Christ in your life. You're not on this by yourself. Awesome that you get to uh, have a vision. He's a part of your life, he, he prompts you. I'm trying to remember yesterday there was something I wasn't going to do or I was going to do, and I just, I just said, Yeah, I kind of probably ought to do this. And I, I felt that was God saying, Yeah, do do this and it was, a, it was a good thing. I wish I could remember what it was now but uh, it was definitely spirit directed. It wasn't Dave Spencer goodness because there isn't much of that. So, Steadfast determination passion hanging on grit let's stay on it eye on the ball Eye on the road, not going in the wrong direction. The bottom line is this there is no point in running the wrong ball in the wrong direction, no matter how well you run. And some of us, as Christ followers, run it well, and we're running in the wrong direction. And what a shame. You know, Jim's is legendary for running it the wrong way. We have an opportunity to get back into the game with our eye on the ball and run it well. Just because life is together and you're running life well doesn't necessarily mean you have the eye on the ball. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for these concepts that just fly off the pages of your word. We're thankful that the people in the newer Testament are real. The older Testament are real. And their lives speak to our lives. The question is, are we listening? Listening so that those concepts are integrated into God. If there's anyone here that has never said yes to you, I pray that maybe you'd come up and talk with uh, the prayer team. Uh, maybe they talk with me, someone, and just kind of get some more information about what that means to follow Christ. If there's someone here who's struggling getting the eye, their eyes back on the ball, Lord, we're here for them. Help them to feel comfortable with that. For those of us uh, who are kind of moving in the direction, help us just to nail these things down, drill down into these concepts Make them our own. Help us not to just uh, kind of go, wow, that was a good concept, and then just not think about it for, for a long while. Help us to drill down into it. Lord, thank you that we have a, just a loving God, a patient God. We thank you for that. And we thank you for this time together. We ask all of this in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen.